why aren't there not many New Mexican Latinas in philanthropy? Dr. Denise Herrera is a New Mexican Latina and the executive director of the Con Alma Health Foundation. The Con Alma Health Foundation works to serve diverse cultural and racial groups through a health equity lens. They focus on ensuring that New Mexican communities and organizations have access to resources and policy solutions. Dr. Herrera tells us more about this, her journey in philanthropy, and the recent gift of $5 million that they received from global philanthropist and author Mackenzie Scott. Dr. Herrera has spent her career training to invest in the health and well-being of New Mexicans. She has also co-authored a report called Changing the Face of Philanthropy to create a pipeline of Latino leaders in philanthropy. I'll turn it over to our interviewer and co-host, Malamita Santana. We hope you enjoy this empowering interview. This is Madhumita Santanam with Generation Justice, and I'm speaking with Dr. Denise Herrera, Executive Director of the Con Alma Health Foundation. Welcome to Generation Justice, Denise. Thank you so much, and thank you for including me today. Of course, we're really happy to have you here. Um, please tell us more about yourself personally. Um, sure. So again, I just wanted to thank Generation Justice for inviting me here today. I've been following your work for several years now with deep admiration and respect. Um, a little bit about me. So I grew up in the South Valley area in Albuquerque in a two-parent household with two older siblings. Um, my six nieces and nephews are my pride and joy. They range in age from 15 to 24. And after finishing my undergraduate education at UNM, I spent about 20 years in Arizona Texas and New Jersey, finishing up graduate school and also working at two of the largest health foundations in the country. Um, I guess, you know, I have a deep passion for issues related to public health and making sure that every community has the opportunity to live a healthy life. That's a little bit about me in a nutshell, I guess. Thank you for sharing that. Can you talk to us about the history and the mission of Con Alma Health Foundation? Sure, happy to. So Konama Health Foundation first came about through a sale of Blue Cross Blue Shield New Mexico, the insurance company. Um, back in 2001, policymakers and community advocates worked together to establish what's now known as Konama Health Foundation. And they thought that that was the best way to invest that $20 million from that sale of Blue Cross Blue Shield New Mexico. Um, at the time, state law required that the for-profit insurance company leave something behind um, that would become an investment that would benefit the health of people that live in New Mexico. So that's where we get our money from. Um, as a statewide foundation, our main mission is to improve the health status and access to health services for everybody that lives in New Mexico. Um, we do that through awarding grants to nonprofits in our state, uh, making some contributions to events and conferences, and we also serve the role of convener, and we bring people and communities together around specific health issues. Um, something kind of unique about health conversion foundations like Konama is that we have a board of trustees, which of course is our governing body, but we also have a community advisory committee or CAC, CAC for short, that advises the board and the staff on health related issues happening regionally. And both of those groups I just mentioned, um, we have representatives from all over the state that really add diverse perspectives to our work. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing about the history and all of that. It's amazing. Um, 
Denise, there are not many Latinas, and especially New Mexican Latinas, leading philanthropic foundations in the United States. Can you talk to us a bit about your journey in philanthropy? Definitely, I'm happy to. And it's interesting that you mentioned that there aren't many Latinas or Latinos working in philanthropy. I think the statistic is something like less than 2% of all executives in philanthropy are Latino and less than 0.5 of that 2% are Latino women. And so here I am, somehow I landed at the only health foundation in the state of New Mexico as executive director. And that's a very unique and privileged position to be in that I don't take for granted. Um, I often say that my journey into philanthropy started as a happy accident. Um, I didn't really find philanthropy, it found me, I would say. And until I started working in the sector, I just assumed that only wealthy people or family members of wealthy people worked at foundations and gave their assets away and their money away. And after finishing my doctoral program, I applied to work at Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, which happens to be the largest health foundation in the US. And they're headquartered in Princeton, New Jersey. And I was most interested in working to change the inequitable and unfair systems that weren't designed for some communities or people to succeed. And so I was thinking about, you know, health sort of at the really high level, like I wanted to tackle root causes and solve problems with colleagues all over the country that work in different sectors, not just health. And um, I guess during my, my five years I was at RWJF, I mostly designed and managed large scale evaluation. So helping consultants and communities understand their programs and the impact that their programs were having. And I also helped design um, four national leadership programs that are still in motion today. So, you know, Robert Wood Johnson's mission is to build a national culture of health, which is a very big, huge mission, right? We want to create health for everybody in the country. And um, in order to do that, we really needed to develop leaders, like a cadre of leaders all over the country to help them achieve their mission. And so I would say that working at that foundation was probably in my dream come true in many ways. Um, and I'm not an East Coast person. I don't really, I don't do winter. And so I knew I would eventually want to head back to the Southwest or closer to home. And so most recently I was in Austin, Texas, working with um, St. David's Foundation, which is also, excuse me, it's also the largest health foundation in the state of Texas. And, you know, last May is when I moved back to Santa Fe um, to work with Konama Health Foundation. And so my journey has been a little bit convoluted. It hasn't been necessarily a straight path. And I was really trained and groomed to be a professor and to work in academia and to maybe teach health or, you know, theories classes or program evaluation classes, for example. Um, but I feel very blessed to work in philanthropy because I get to work with people in all sectors, really, that are trying to solve problems together. So I'm really blessed to be in this position. Of course, yeah. And I'm so glad that you're working in philanthropy and more power to you. Um, I also think when you said that philanthropy found you, I thought that was very powerful. So thank you for sharing that. Definitely. Con Alma Health Foundation recently received a five million gift from global philanthropist and author Mackenzie Scott. That's so exciting. What can you share with us about the process to receive such an amazing gift? Sure. Thank you for acknowledging that. Um, you know, first, I want to share my gratitude and deep respect for what Mackenzie Scott is modeling for the rest of us. 
she's really showing us what trust-based philanthropy is at its finest. So she's putting her trust in organizations like Koanama um, with very few restrictions or reporting requirements involved. So what I can share is that, you know, so far her donor gifts have been unrestricted, which means that the nonprofit recipients have a lot of flexibility in how to use those funds as long as they're working to achieve their mission in some way. Um, in 2019, Ms. Scott signed the Giving Pledge, which is a promise by the world's wealthiest individuals and families to give the majority of their wealth away to charitable causes in their lifetime. And I think you asked about the process. Um, for us, the process started back in March of this year. So Mackenzie Scott works with various consulting groups to help direct her philanthropic giving. So in our case, a colleague introduced me to one of the consulting groups because they were particularly interested in health foundations that serve rural and underserved communities in the US. And of course, you know that's our mission basically at Konama. So we were definitely on their, their radar. And so my associate director, Amy, and I had a series of conversations with that consulting group. Um, we shared existing documents that they requested, like financials, annual reports, and other things. And the donor gift was confirmed in late September of this year. So in our case, you know, this wasn't an open process, meaning uh, Ms. Scott's team reached out to me directly. I did not compete for this particular funding with other applicants. Um, but some exciting things I think are in the hopper for Mackenzie Scott's team. Um, just last week, her team released a free database that includes more information about her giving. So we're actually included in that database. People can learn more about Konama. But she also released plans to create an open application process in the future. And that database, if people are interested, it's yieldgiving.com. So just the word yield, you know, Y-I-E-L-D, giving.com. And again, she's going to create an open application process in the future. So I encourage listeners to keep their ears out for that opportunity, which I'm certain will be highly competitive, but you never know, you know, if you might be a good fit for that funding. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing a bit about the process. Um, how will this investment help Kona Alma continue its mission? Yeah, great question. You know, we plan to spend a good portion of 2023 developing a spending strategy and a special initiative around this particular initiative. Um, I knew when this donor gift was confirmed what I didn't want to do. I didn't want to just add the money to our existing endowment. I didn't want to just do more grants in the same fashion that we're currently doing. I wanted to design a very specific initiative around this. And so we still have some details to work out about that. But I also plan to spend a portion of 2023 raising more money and leveraging this money because I think I could get some other national foundations on board. So I, you know, I don't have a specific initiative that I can share today, but I'm hoping that this investment will help accelerate some of the work that some of our nonprofits are already doing in New Mexico to advance health equity. That's amazing, yeah. Um, so why is it important to invest in New Mexico? You know, I, I think this question is really important. Um, again, I'm, I'm trained as an academic and a researcher. I'm also trained as an evaluator, and now I work in public health. And so I'm constantly thinking about um, how can we elevate a state like New Mexico, which we know it's no secret, you know, our state lacks many financial and other resources, 
But New Mexico is very rich when it comes to culture, traditions, and food. I don't know about you, but like, I love food. That, that is my love language. And, but we lack infrastructure, right? So how can we elevate our state um, in, in positive ways that other um, philanthropists or state and local government might be interested in? And so I think it's important for federal, local, and state government philanthropy and private donors to continue to invest in our state. You know, there's, there's 23 federally recognized tribes here in New Mexico, some of which still don't have running water or electricity in 2022, right? So I think of when COVID-19 first hit, you know, Navajo Nation had some of the highest COVID rates in the country per capita, didn't have running water. So you tell people to wash their hands. It's like, well, how are they gonna do that? They don't have basic necessities. But fast forward, you know, once the COVID vaccine became available, Navajo Nation now has some of the highest vaccination rates in the country per capita. So to me, that's a huge success story. And I think, you know, people and communities came together to solve a problem. And so, again, if people have access to resources, you know, I think they're, they're going to work creatively together to, to, to make something happen. Um, as you probably know, indigenous communities are often the last to receive resources and the first to get their funding cut, you know? And I think of New Mexico in terms of landmass. I think we're the fifth largest state in terms of size and our state is very spread out, right? So many rural communities lack access to basic necessities. Sometimes the nearest hospital or clinic is over 400 miles away, you know? And in New Mexico, a little can go a long way. So I'm particularly honored to work at the only health foundation in New Mexico that's dedicated solely to health because we get to be part of the solution, you know? And I think um, we have some really great examples here of different foundations and communities working together to solve problems. Um, I guess the last thing I'll say is one example, I'm thinking of the Native American Recovery Zone grant that is hosted by New Mexico Foundation. Um, it was kind of spearheaded by Henry Rael at McCune Foundation, and a group of funders came together about a year ago, and we raised, you know, I think it was over $1.5 million to be able to issue grants to tribal communities in New Mexico. And I think, again, a little could go a long way in our state. So I would encourage, you know, again, government and philanthropy and private donors to continue to think about investing in New Mexico. Of course, thank you so much for sharing about the need to invest in New Mexico. And thank you for bringing up about rural communities and the fact that so many of them don't have resources. I think that's uh, such an important thing to think about. So thank you so much for talking about that. Yeah, no, definitely. And if I can, I'd like to add one more point about that. You know, something that's really, I think, interesting about our state, we have over 78 school-based health centers in New Mexico. And, you know, they, they vary in terms of services provided and how fancy they are. But in some communities, the school-based health center is the only access people have to a nurse practitioner or physician assistant, for example. And so again, I think New Mexico has the opportunity to think creatively about how to use existing resources, such as the 78 school-based health centers, right? To make sure that people have access to some of the health, um, the health needs that they have. Um, here at GJ, we're, we're really big on setting intentions for the new year. Do you have any hopes or intentions for 2023 that you would like to share with us? Oh, that's a great question. You know, so I, I don't personally believe in like New Year's resolutions or 
things like that. I just feel like you should try to, you know, be the best version of yourself all year long. <laughs> and so I guess, I guess my intention for, for myself personally is just to show up as my full self every single day that I do this work and to be authentic in, in the ways in which I guess I do the work that probably sounds like really low hanging fruit, but I think, um, we can all agree that the last couple of years have been really difficult for probably everybody in the world, not just our state and just kind of surviving has been exhausting. And so I guess my intention for myself is just to be the best version of myself that I can be and to continue to model for my team. I have a wonderful staff of three other colleagues and my intention is to continue to model what it's like to have a healthy work environment for them because they deserve that. Absolutely. That was very powerful. Thank you. Um, where can people learn more about the Kona Alma Health Foundation? Sure. I guess one of the, the best things to do is to visit our website, which is konalma.org, C-O-N-A-L-M-A.org. Um, on there, you can learn about our grant opportunities. We usually have at least two grant cycles per year. Um, we just announced our 2022 Heroes of Health. And you get to read about the two people that we picked. And I'm very excited. I think Generation Justice might appreciate this. Um, this year, we decided to also acknowledge a youth hero of health. Um, and we're going to continue that um, going forward because we're so inspired by this year's heroes that we wanted to, to continue to elevate a more traditional hero and also a younger hero in, in our state. And so you'll see um, Tina Cordova was selected as our traditional hero. And then um, Hotchkiss was our youth hero of health that we named earlier this year. And they just have both really compelling stories that I encourage folks to, to learn about. We also have a Facebook page, a LinkedIn page, Medium, and Instagram. Um, we're currently taking a break from Twitter because I don't believe that that's a platform that we want to be associated with at the moment. And so I would encourage folks to visit us on the other social media platforms. So again, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Medium to learn more information. That's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing about where we can find more information about Kona Alma Health Foundation. Is there anything else that you would like to add? I guess, again, you know, thank you to Generation Justice. Again, I've really admired your work over the past couple of years. And I think that you all are really um, modeling, <laughs> you know, what it's like to really use media in a constructive and productive way. And so congratulations on all of your successes this year. And again, thank you for your interest in Kwanama Health Foundation. You know, because of partners like you all, you know, we're able to, again, be part of the solutions um, to the most pressing health challenges in our state. Thank you. And thank you, Denise Herrera, for speaking with Generation Justice, for speaking with me about your work and your amazing, amazing journey and about Kona Alma Health Foundation. Um, it means so much to be talking to you. You're such an amazing person, and I'm so happy that you're telling me all of this and talking to me about the importance of investing in New Mexico, because I feel like New Mexico has so much potential. So thank you so much for speaking with me. It's truly an honor. Yeah, well, thank you so much, Madhu. Those words are so so kind, and they mean a lot. And, you know, there 
there are a lot of other people out there like me who grew up in New Mexico, left and came back. And I will share just out of transparency, my return to New Mexico has not been the smoothest or easiest transition. And so, you know, to all the listeners out there, if you have um, a new colleague or, or neighbor that recently returned to New Mexico, I encourage you to reach out and get to know that person and see how you can support them. Because I'm often viewed as an outsider, which can sometimes be difficult. And I don't mean to go off on a tangent, but um, I just encourage people to, to remember that I actually grew up here. Like I went to college here. I grew up in one of the most humbling communities in, in, in the state. And just because I left for 20 years doesn't mean that I haven't always had the best interests of New Mexico at heart. And when I was working with the, the largest health foundation in the country, I actually did a lot of work here in New Mexico. It was just behind the scenes and I wasn't physically here. So again, thank you so much for including me today. Of course, it's, it was our pleasure. For Generation Justice, I'm Madumita Santana. Thank you, Dr. Denise Edda, for speaking about your work and your journey and the importance of health equity in New Mexico. And thank you for inspiring young women of color to make a difference in our community and in the world. Dr. Denise Edda wanted to share this song with you. Here is Anyway by Martina McBride a song about hope, love, perseverance, and faith. After that, DJ Leader for Change fellow, Ariana Cordova, brings us our weekly vaccine equity segment. God is great, but sometimes 